Welcome to Semester 6, Episode 7 of the Ivy Wise Just Admit It podcast, where former deans and directors of admission give expert insight into the complex college admissions landscape. On this season of Just Admit It, we're breaking down the college admissions rubric and highlighting a few top colleges. I'm Tasha, your host for this season. I'm an admissions counselor at Ivy Wise, a former international admission officer at USC, and a former assistant director of international admissions at Boston University. My guest is Kim, a principal counselor at Ivy Wise and former assistant director of admissions at the University of Pennsylvania. Today, we're gonna to be continuing to highlight certain aspects of the college admissions rubric. In episode five, we broke down the importance of transcripts and course rigor. And today we'll be talking about another very important part of the college application process, one that takes some advanced planning, recommendation letters. We'll be answering the question, whom should I ask for letters of recommendation? So Kim, I know I just introduced you, but could you please say hello and add anything that I might've missed? Hi, Tasha. Thanks so much for having me. As you mentioned, my name is Kim, and I did work at the University of Pennsylvania for several years. I was able to work with students all across the world, really. Honestly, I worked with students in international locations as well as all across the United States. My primary areas were, were the southern states in the United States, uh, and I really enjoyed it. After that, I moved on to working at a nonprofit where I helped students apply to college. So I really just love this, this field and helping students through the process, and I'm excited to talk about letters of recommendation. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kim. I'm really excited to hear your, your expertise. So we're going to start with a really simple question to just make sure that we're all on the same page. What is a recommendation letter? Yeah, it's a good question. It sounds sort of self-explanatory, but at the same time, it's kind of understanding a little bit more about the purpose, right? So we really want to, to get to know the student beyond the grade. I think a lot of students think that we're in admissions, we're really just looking at your grades, your test scores, maybe a quick glance at your essay. But really, an admissions officer is looking to know you as a person. And so the letter of recommendation is a great way to get to know you a little bit beyond those other pieces. What does someone else have to say about you? They might be asking themselves, how do you interact with your peers? How do you handle difficult situations? What was your role in the classroom? Were you the class clown or were you the class helper? Were you the person who asked intriguing questions? Were you the person that answered tough questions? <laughs> All of these things are super, super important. And I think one question that I always tell students to really think about is what would a teacher say that the room would be like if you weren't there? What would be missing if you were, happened to be absent that day? And I think that's a really good way for admissions officers to think about the student. What do you add to the classroom and what will you add on a college campus? So it's definitely more than just your grades and your test scores. It's, it's really digging a little deeper into who you are as a person and adding some context to some of the other pieces of the application that the admissions officer already reviewed. Great. Okay. So that's definitely breaking it down. Um, we're going to get a little bit more specific, but but what kinds of letters of recommendation are colleges even looking for? Are there different kinds of letters of recommendation? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think most people know about the teacher letter. I think that that one is sort of well known. The other one is the counselor letter. And so everybody, um, 
most actually, I guess not everyone really, uh, but most people have a counselor at their high school. And this person actually will submit a letter whether you ask them to or not. It's just part of the process. And so this letter is meant to set the stage. It's really telling the admissions officer what your school is like, what's available there academically, extracurricularly, and then sort of putting you, the student, in context of what's available. So did you take advantage of the academic courses that you had at your disposal? Did you get involved in the clubs extracurricularly? And what um, what do they know about you? Um, one thing I did want to note on this part, though, is that some students go to high schools that are very large and your counselor may have many, many, many people that they have to write letters for. So it wouldn't really be fair for them to get to know you because they didn't get a chance. And so those letters would be very different um, from a school where there's only 20 students per, per counselor. So don't worry too much if you fall into that category. They still help set the stage. They still help to let us know what's available. They still help to tell us um, kind of what, what you might have done at your high school that they know about. But if they don't know you as well, it's okay. This piece is just really helpful for the admissions officer to understand your high school better. There are so many high schools in the United States alone, let alone if you really think about the world. Um, so definitely really helpful for us, but that letter is, is important. And then the other letter is the teacher letter that we just talked about. And so those are obviously going to know you much better because they see you in the classroom. And so the letters may be very different, but they do serve two different purposes. They definitely do serve those two to separate purposes. So I'm really glad you helped break that down. So we know that there's a counselor, there's one or two teacher recommendations, but who should they ask for these letters of recommendation and, and why? What kind of folks would be best suited to do that for an individual student? Yeah, I think there's two camps on this. Some students, I think, wrap their brains a little too hard about it and spend so long just thinking about who they should pick. And on the other side, I feel like folks don't spend enough time and they just kind of say, well, I just had this English teacher. I had this math teacher. I'll just pick those. So I would say it's somewhere in the middle. <laughs> you definitely want to put some thought into it, but I don't want anyone to be overly stressed about it. I think the first thing that I would say is definitely check the college website and make sure that you do know how many are required. Some require one, some require two. I have seen some that require three. And then there are some that have no, no, none at all required. So definitely want to make sure that you're following what you need. And some will have more specifics as to who you should ask. But generally speaking, my advice is usually two core teachers. And core teachers would include subjects like English, math, science, social science, uh, and foreign language. And then usually we recommend 11th or 12th grade teachers. I think that 12th grade teacher can be a little challenging because they don't quite know you enough yet. However, it really depends on, you know, maybe you have a great relationship with that person. So it could be a good person to ask, or it could be someone that you had in 10th grade and now you'll have again in 12th. So there might be some good reasoning behind it, but that's a general idea. Some ways that you can think about who to pick. I think a lot of students will say, well, I got 100% in my calculus class, so I'll ask my calculus teacher. And I always push back on them and say, well, how did you come about that grade? And they look at me kind of quizzically, what do you mean? Well, is math the easiest subject to you or did you really have to work hard for that? And then they kind of push me a little more and I say, well, I'm asking you this because the teacher recommendation letter should say more than just the grade that you received. If all the letter will say is that Kim is an amazing math student, she barely had to raise her hand because she just would get through the work and didn't need any help. She was very quiet and just got straight A's, no, no problems at all. Well, that letter didn't really add much. It didn't really give me anything about what Kim is like as a person. It just told me that she's really good at math. But guess what? I already knew that because she has an A in calculus and probably great SAT score. So what I really tell folks to think about is kind of beyond that. Who, do they, who knows you better than the grade? Who knows how you did interact? Well, those questions that we talked about a little bit, a bit uh, just about a minute ago. 
And then I think another piece that people often ask me is, oh, I want to be a business major. So which teachers should I ask? Oh, I want to study engineering. So which teachers should I ask? And I think in some cases that could be a good way to go about it. But again, it depends. If those teachers that would be considered relevant to those majors don't know you well, I wouldn't ask them. Um, if they actually know you really well because those are your favorite subjects, then that's great. But it doesn't necessarily have to be relevant to your major unless that is specific in the application that you've been um, looking at that it says that it needs to come from the uh, relevant teacher towards your major. But I think most of us in admissions world know that students change their majors all the time. So we don't necessarily want to be pigeonholing you in that way. Um, so, yeah, I think definitely thinking and asking deeper questions about how the person would talk about you and, and really think about what they would say about your time in the classroom would be a better way to go about it. Thanks so much, Kim. That that definitely makes a lot of sense. And I have kind of a follow-up question to that, just putting myself in the perspective seat of, of a possible, um, of a prospective student who might be sitting here and wondering, why not just ask your calculus teacher where you got 100%? Why, why do colleges care about who I am as a person? How would you respond to that question, Kim? Yeah, I think that's a really good way to think about this. I think that when you really think about what you're going to do on college campus, it's a lot more than sit in a classroom. Sure, they want you to come up, come away with a bachelor's degree, and that's amazing. That That's definitely the core purpose of college. But most of you will be going to residential colleges, right? And so then that means that they want to know what you're like as a classmate, what you're like as a roommate, what you're like as a teammate. And so these pieces are much more important than simply your grade. Again, admissions officers are we're, we're really quick at looking at transcripts. We don't really need uh, to go too much deeper on that side. Uh, it's the other pieces that we would love to dig in a little bit more on. And so whenever you have a letter that really talks about the student in this other deeper way, it's actually pretty exciting. When should students actually request these letters from their chosen recommenders once they've thought about it and decided who they actually want to go ahead and ask? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that really being mindful about your teacher's time it will show a lot of care on your part as a student. So certainly you want to follow any school directions, but I know some schools are very cognizant about this and they want to be mindful of those things. So they may ha already have a timeline for you to follow. But if not, um, in an ideal world, you would be asking at the end of your junior year, right before classes are ending up, when things are kind of winding down a little bit. Um, I think that would give your teachers the summer to go ahead and write that letter at a more leisurely pace and not feel rushed. There have been some cases, of course, where it might make sense to ask in the fall of senior year. But again, it really depends on this unique situation. Most of all, we want the teachers to feel like they have time to write this. So if you do choose to ask someone in the senior year, you don't want to ask them and say, it's due tomorrow, by the way. <laughs> Those letters aren't usually very nice. I have read a few that kind of were very, um, maybe bulleted lists and say very specifically, this person asked me at the last minute, so I don't have time to give you a lot of information. And those are very rare, but they, I mean, it does happen. And so we want to just kind of get ahead of that and ask with as much time as possible. Certainly let this, um, I, we want to ask with as much time as possible and certainly let your recommender know when it's due um, so that they know that they have plenty of time or, or whatever that might be. You can also let them know, I'll follow back up with you in September or whatever. Give them kind of some idea so that you're not bothering them too much, but that they, they know that it is on your mind. I'm sure that they recognize it's a stressful time for our students, but they want to be as helpful as possible. So that's when students should ask, but how should students ask? Should they just go up to their teacher after class and say, hey, I'd really love for you to write my letters of recommendation for college. Should they just show up empty handed? Should they 
create a meeting? Is, is there a specific way that students should be asking that teachers would appreciate or that um, are considered kind of best practice? Yeah, I wonder if that might differ by each student, honestly. I think it really depends on the school that you go to, the culture of the of the environment where you are, um, you know, getting your, your learning <laughs> where you're where you go to school. But I think ultimately it's up to the student. I certainly had teachers that I was really good buddies with, and I would certainly go up to them and just say, Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to apply to college. I really hope that you would consider writing me a letter, and that might be totally appropriate. And then there might be some other instances where you might really want to be more thoughtful about it. I I think regardless of if you go up to them right after class or you set up a meeting, I think the more important pieces are that you don't come and empty handed. You do want to bring them something that they can use to write the letter. So I think um, ideally you would already have a resume created or your school may have something called a brag sheet or you could even look up online what a brag sheet is. And the, I think these can be really helpful because I think at the end of the day, whatever you give your teacher can really influence what is in the letter. And so, of course, we would never want to tell a teacher what to write. That's not what I mean. But whatever you chose to highlight is being highlighted for a reason. And so they may kind of regurgitate that back to the admissions officer. And so sometimes I like the brag sheets that kind of ask specific things like, um, you know, what three words describe you or what is a memory that you have from my class that is really important to you. These are types of things that this, that you may actually remind your teacher about and they might be able to really come back and say something really fun and interesting it may spark them to think about you in a different way um, than they maybe even had originally had in their own head so i think that, that can be really helpful and the resume is just helpful so that they might have a better understanding of what you have done over your time in high school that they maybe didn't get to know as much because you are so focused on that academic subject and that's fine they might be surprised to learn that you have all these awards or other things that they can then talk about but ultimately, those things are not as important as what you did in the classroom, how you were behaving, uh, what what role you played, the things that we talked about a little bit earlier. Because again, they will see your resume um, in the other parts of your application. So we don't need the letters to focus on this so much. And I think that's why the brag sheet, in my opinion, is a little more helpful because I think it focuses more on the student's personality um, and things like this. So uh, I think another way that I have really enjoyed telling students to approach this is kind of through a letter and just writing a letter saying, Dear teacher, I have loved being in your class so much. I would love for you to be recommender for my college application process. And here's some reasons why. Share those memories, share what you loved about the teacher. I think this can be a little bit more, um, I think it really gives you an opportunity to be as sincere as possible and kind of show what you want them to say. And it doesn't feel so much like, here, write this down from the resume, like regurgitate all of this information. So I would say there's like a sweet spot in there and you all know yourselves best and you can kind of decide what feels good. One thing I will say is that I think students are less comfortable speaking with people, honestly, these days because of COVID, because of social media, because of a lot of things. I think the communication can be a little bit different. So it might take some practice before you actually approach your teacher. You want to make sure that you you ask them in a way that is helpful to your teacher so they know what you're asking and then what you would really like from them. And then you come across as kind. <laughs> I think that um, people don't always... Um, I don't know, really lift up that characteristic as much, but it's super important. I want a, cl I want a class full of kind people, right? So I think that that's something I want you to really think about students as you are uh, thinking about your approach and, you know, practice with your parents, practice with someone that you are close with, near, uh, you're a friend or a neighbor. But just I think that having that practice can be helpful and you may not think you need it. But again, 
because of the way the, the world works now, we don't get those interactions as much. And so you know yourself best and if you feel super nervous about it, then it's probably a good indicator that you might want to practice a little. Whereas some people are just really easy, easygoing, charismatic folks, and it comes really easily to them. I wasn't one of those people. So I definitely would have been practicing with my parents and, and just making sure that I felt comfortable. I think it's so funny when um, when I think about that, I was an admissions officer speaking to 500 people when in high school, I could barely talk to a couple people. So we developed those skills over time. And yeah, I think that's something, if you know that this is something that you need to work on, start now, start practicing in whatever grade you're in before and get to know your teachers now. It's a huge, uh, huge help down the line. I've never heard that term brag sheet. That's so interesting. Thanks for teaching me something new, Kim. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> And um, another quick follow-up before we move on uh, around resumes. So I definitely agree that it's really important to not approach a teacher empty-handed unless unless they know you really, really well and you're positive that they have all the information. Even then, really, as Kim mentioned, um, they might not know everything. There might be another award or another uh, thing that you did outside of school that they're not aware of that they can pull and and kind of add and and connect to to the way that they do know you and what they do want to highlight. But how how do you even write a resume if if a student is listening to this and um, has never written a resume, has never seen a resume? Where could they possibly start um, to figure out putting something together to then share with a with a recommender that they want to ask? Yeah, I think that resumes are becoming increasingly more common, but I, I do agree that it's not necessarily something that all high school students have. Um, I would I would say Google's your friend. You can definitely find some really good templates online. Um, we have a ton of resources that you can reach out to and IvyWise as well. You can ask a trusted adult. There's so many ways that you can go about this. And I don't think there's a right or wrong resume. It's just a matter of making sure that the information that you want um, comes across. One thing I will say is don't go overboard. You don't want to be having a resume that is pages and pages long because folks get bored and they're not going to read the whole thing. And I would say the other piece is that you don't necessarily need to highlight anything that is beyond high school. So what I mean by that is middle school, you don't have to talk about that as much. It's, it's very rare for those facts to come up in the recommendation recommendation letter anyway. So don't feel like you need to go too, too much into that, even though I know there are some really cool things that folks have done in middle school. It's rare that those will those will become important for your college application. So, yeah, definitely, you know, check out the resources that we have available. Make sure that you're just using your, your resources that you have through the Internet and folks at school and even anyone else in your community. So, yeah, there's a lot of ways to go about it. That's exactly right, Kim. So IvyWise does have something that we talk about on the podcast called our knowledge base, uh, which is essentially a, a free online resource where you can search anything college admissions related that you might want to learn more about. And there will probably be a blog article or a resource document um, with additional information and tips. So I definitely recommend uh, checking that out with our resume guide and where to start with that. And then I also want to agree with Kim that you definitely don't want to be writing a multi-page resume, especially at this stage in high school. I actually am pretty strict with my students uh, and recommend a one-page resume. You can absolutely cut it down. As professionals, we also are taught to only have a one-page resume, unless you're doing something called a curriculum vitae, which can, can definitely be much, much longer, especially in academic circles. But for these purposes, for applying to college, definitely sticking to the one-page resume. All right. Thanks so much, Kim. I know I've been throwing some, some extra questions over at you. 
but now I want to talk a little bit about um, the, the amount of, of letters of recommendation. So I get this question a lot. Any question that any, any, anytime students want a, a specific kind of broad answer to a question, the answer is usually it depends because each college tends to have different requirements, right? So how many letters should students request and how many might be considered too many? Yeah, uh, admissions officer's favorite answer is it depends because it truly does. So of course, always take everything we're saying with a grain of salt, make sure you look into your own, do your own research for each college, of course, but really please don't overdo this part of the application. Always keep in mind that admissions officers are reading you know, depending on the institution, it could be tens, dozens, hundreds of applications a week. Like it really can vary. And so if you are adding to your application by having 10 recommenders, you are not helping your case. <laughs> I can assure you that admissions officers are tired and <laughs> by the maybe third one, they're, I don't even know if they're reading anymore. So you definitely want to ensure that you're only submitting the required number, which again is generally two. That's usually like a good average that would probably be at most institutions. Many institutions will also then say you could potentially submit one supplemental letter. And the students always ask me, so what should I do? Do I send one in? Do I not send one in? What is a supplemental letter? Um, and so a supplemental letter is usually beyond a teacher. Uh, you could pick another teacher, but I usually don't recommend that unless that other person, uh, that other teacher knows you in a way that is so different from the other two. Generally, what I say about the supplemental letter is that could be a great place to ask someone from your community. If you're really involved in a club or you're really involved in your church or you're very involved uh, in a summer program, a summer camp or any of these things. If there's another space that you have made an impact, the supplemental letter could be a great way to showcase a different part of you. What I don't want to see, though, are the three letters are identical. If they're all going to say the exact same thing about you, then they're not helpful. You really want to think about each part of your application, not just the letters of recommendation, but truly every part of your application should be adding something different, a different dimension to the student. And so really ensuring that you're thinking about this really deeply. Uh, a lot of students will say, oh, my dad knows the senator. Should we get the senator to write a letter? Well, does the senator know you? And if the answer is, which likely the answer is no, then that's not helpful. I've read so many letters that are saying, you know, something like, Kim is my constituent. She's great. I'm sure she'll do great in college. Okay, that's fine. It didn't give you extra points that the senator wrote you a letter. Um, but if you really do know the senator, let's say you interned with the senator and it was a very small state where maybe you actually do get to interact with them very, very closely, maybe a state senator rather than a, the national um, state senator, um, then that might be a really great letter to, to include. Um, but again, it's not the, the stature of the person, the, the, if they have a PhD or a law degree, that doesn't matter. If they have a degree from from the same institution that you're applying, that also doesn't matter. Uh, it's really about the quality of the letter. So don't worry so much about that. I actually had a student recently ask me, well, one of my teachers um, is a doctor and one of my teachers is just, you know, like a normal person. <laughs> and I said, well, which of those two people knows you better? I don't care that one is a doctor. And so we talked a little bit more about, about this topic and we came to the conclusion that yes, the person that has that doctorate degree was the right choice, but not because of the degree, but more so because of who that student um, was in that class and how they got to know him. And so I think that that is uh, just something I wanted to elaborate on because I, I think it can cause a lot of stress. Students are thinking, who is the most important person that I know and how can I include them in my application? And again, unless you know that person well, don't worry about it. Um, one of my uh, one of my students many years ago actually had a letter from Shonda Rhimes and they 
truly knew her. So it was amazing. <laughs> it was really cool. Um, but I wouldn't have wanted to see her name simply to see her name, right? Her letter was very long and it was actually like really knew the student. So really, really cool. Um, but that didn't that didn't mean the student got in. <laughs> it was just a cool letter. <laughs> Wow, that's that's great. And and I think it's it's so important to to really, really highlight the fact that even like Taylor Swift, right? Like unless <laughs> unless she really knows you, um, exactly. it's, it's really just not relevant, right? <laughs> yeah. And for anyone who might not know who Shonda Rhimes is, I know Grey's Anatomy uh came out back in like 2002 or something. I can't believe it's <laughs> but I guess <laughs> it's still on. It is it's still gone. on, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, major uh writer, producer, TV show runner. Um, legend. That's awesome. All right. Thanks so much for, for sharing that, Kim. And then I just have a couple of final questions. So, so this is kind of more for my teenage self is I definitely remember when I first um, started learning about applying to colleges and about the letters of recommendation is, you know, they're called letters of recommendation, right? So I always kind of pictured a physical paper letter that had to be mailed to uh, the the colleges that I was applying to, but then I learned that that's definitely not the case. So for anyone who might be like me, who's thinking about this very um, antiquated kind of analog method, um, can you explain how how do teachers actually submit these letters once they've agreed, once they've told a student, yes, okay, I will write you a letter of recommendation? Yeah, if you have parents that went to college, they actually probably did get physical letters sent. So I think I was one of the last classes that actually had the opportunity to submit a paper application before everything kind of went digital. Um, so again, there, there is a world where that would be the case. But yes, like you said, Tasha, that has changed. And so now as folks uh, are exploring the common application, which is the most common way for most students to be applying to colleges, you'll make a common app account. As you're going through all the questions, one of the sections is actually about recommendation letters. And so you'll go in, you'll pick your teachers, and you'll include their email address. When you do that, the system automatically, once you've completed that section, will shoot an email over to, let's say you chose me. Um, Dear Kim, your teacher student has asked you to write a recommendation letter. Do you want to go through this process? And then they would, the, on their end, they would follow the prompts to write your letter and answer any questions that come through. So it's much easier now. And so you definitely want to make sure that you have that conversation that we talked about before before you do this, right? You don't want to kind of include their email address and never have had that conversation because you might throw the teacher off uh, a little bit. So certainly have that conversation. Once they've agreed, then you can go in, add their email address, and they'll get an email. It's as easy as that. And so then once that's been completed, um, you actually need to go to each of your college portals to ensure that they got the letter. For the most part, if it's going through Common App and one school got it, they should all receive it. But I think it's always smart to go to the college portal of every college that you've applied to and just check generally what is missing, because some things can get lost. Who knows? I don't know how this digital world works, but I'm sure there's something glitches that can happen. And so you'd always want to be checking those those checklists to make sure that every piece, the transcript, um, the, all your essays, anything else that you sent in, that they've received it. So definitely a good tip just to make sure that you're checking on those things. Okay, so students have asked their recommenders for a letter. The recommender has said yes. They've received the request from Common App. They've written the letter. They've submitted it. And now it gets to the admissions officer who's reviewing, uh, or admissions officers who are reviewing in a student's application. But then what? 
Um, so I just want to return back to that first question I asked about what is a letter of recommendation and go back to basics and, and ask, what's the point? So we, we've definitely already touched on this, but just to conclude, what can we really leave prospective students with um, as they think about the, ac the actual point and why letters of recommendation are a part of the college application process? Yeah, absolutely. I think that this is just, you know, for anybody who's applying to a college, particularly top colleges, but any school that practices holistic a holistic admissions process, meaning that they're going to look at every aspect of your application, the teacher letter can really add a lot. And so I don't want anyone to sleep on this. It can be really, really helpful. And I do want to also stress, again, similar to the counselor letter, if, you're, if your letters of recommendation are not, you know, off the charts, amazing, that's okay. It's rarely a negative in your application. It's usually only additive, which means it's really, we're really just looking for pieces that make you more amazing. And so again, it's really to get to know you as a person, adding a little bit more context to the grades. We asked earlier, you know, should I ask this, the class where I got hundred percent? Maybe yes or no, but sometimes I tell students, you know, maybe it's asking the teacher that you didn't do the best in because maybe you started off even lower. Let's say you, let's say you ended with a good grade, a, a B, let's say you got a B. Um, but you started off with a maybe a C or so, but you really worked hard. And by the end, you were getting A's. So you averaged out to a B. That could be a really amazing letter. That letter could really help us get to know that student and what happened. Why did that happen? How did you go about getting better? Did you stay after school? Did you try to um, reach out to the best students in the class and get help? Did you reach out to the teacher? What did you do? And so I think that it doesn't necessarily have to be a specific type of person or a specific type of teacher that you had an interaction with, but really think about, you know, what is this person going to say about me? How are they going to add to what I'll be like in a college class, what I'll be like in the college dorm? These are all really important things. And, and often for me as an admissions officer, the letters were a really fun thing to read because, again, this is someone who is not trying to get into college. <laughs> they just want to tell me what their student is like. And so it can be really fun to read the anecdotes, um, to hear a little bit about what the student um, was like when some, they had a silly day or they had a hard day or they had a great day. And so those were always really fun. And I think that teachers, you know, if given enough time, I've heard can also really enjoy these letters because it gives them an opportunity to sit back and think about a student that maybe that really touched them because usually you're picking someone for a reason. And so that person would probably enjoy writing the letter. And if they probably don't enjoy writing the letter, then maybe pick a different person. <laughs> you definitely want to gauge how the person reacts to you. That, that is another piece of advice I have. If they react strangely or you feel like maybe it wasn't a good response, maybe you can say, oh, I, I actually don't need that letter after all. I think you really need to be careful with this because I have, again, very rarely, but I have seen some letters where it truly made me wonder why did they ask that teacher? Um, and so you just want to kind of be mindful. So don't think about it in any other way other than truly, we just want to get to know you. It's not, and there's no ulterior motive. It's really, truly, what is this person like? And again, it's a fun part of the application for admissions officers to read. Thank you so much, Kim. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that is relevant to this uh, topic of letters of recommendation as one of the uh, factors and elements of the holistic review process and the college admissions rubric. Yeah, the last thing that I usually like to uh, remind students about or inform them about, because they don't usually know, when you are filling out that part of the common application, there's a few questions there that ask if you want to waive your FERPA rights, which I don't remember what FERPA stands for. I should have looked it up. <laughs> but it's a federal law that basically says that, you know, if you don't waive this right, you will have access to your letters and you'll be able to read them. 
And so I always tell students to actually waive your right. And that can be confusing. And the reason that I usually recommend that is because if you are telling your teacher, write whatever you want, I promise I'm not going to read it. I will not influence you in what you're writing. I don't necessarily care because I've been thoughtful about this and I know that you're going to write me a great letter. So that actually gives admissions officers another degree of certainty that this letter is authentic, that you have not paid this teacher or that you haven't done something strange to get them to write a really nice letter. If you're waiving your right, you're not going to read the letter and you're totally comfortable what it's going what it's going to say. And so it just adds again, another level of authenticity and it, it can be a little confusing, uh, I think when there's legal jargon in this process, um, but I usually just tell students not to stress about it. Of course, read through it. I think it's important for you to know what you're signing, but I usually do recommend that students waive their right so that they that the letter can be viewed as authentic and definitely what the student is really like. Um, so hopefully um, that's helpful to you. Look at look into it a little further if you want any more information. But I think it's something that doesn't get talked about often. And students always ask me, what is this FERPA thing? So I thought it might be helpful to mention. For those uh, for those curious, FERPA stands for the Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act. I had to to Google that to brush up on it as well. <laughs> Sometimes we use acronyms so often that we forget what they even stand for. <laughs> but I, I will say that... Um, yeah, if you're curious or interested, um, definitely no harm in, in finding out more, but try not to get too bogged down in, in that legal language since it can definitely be a little bit overwhelming. And, um, you know, FERPA does cover a lot of different things beyond um, this very specific uh, admissions and letter recommendation uh, area. So, so, you know, try not to read all of it and get freaked out about, uh, you know, the amount of, of legal jargon there. All right. Thanks so much for bringing that up, Kim. That's definitely a really good um, kind of final element that I hadn't even thought about. So this just about wraps up our episode. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Kim. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Tasha. Of course. In our next episode, we'll be spotlighting another top college, Stanford University. If you have any questions that you'd like for us to address in that episode, please email us at podcast at ivywise.com. And please don't forget to catch up on all of our previous episodes and check out the IvyWise Knowledge Base, which I mentioned earlier, for more college prep resources. You can also follow us on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram for more college admissions tips. And you can find us on all three of those sites at follow IvyWise. From IvyWise, I'm Tasha, and this was Kim, and this has been Just Admit It. <laughs>